Thank you for listening to The Wonder Podcast. I'm Joe Vacanti. It's our desire that you would take this message and that you would choose to live the life God always imagined for you. The Psalms, Book One. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What if I told you, would you believe me this morning if I told you that I found the way to the Garden of Eden? If you remember, the Garden of Eden was a place that mankind was designed for. And yet mankind chose, when given the opportunity, to go their own way. And so mankind had to leave the garden, and the way into the garden was blocked. I'm here to tell you this morning, we have the way back to the Garden of Eden, and I'm holding it in my hand. It's God's word. Isaiah 46.10 says this, I am God, and I declare, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. This book is the top selling book of all kind. It was written, has 66 individual books written by 40 different authors on three different continents in three different languages over the period of 1,500 years. And yet there's, though many have tried and twisted it, there's not a single historic contradiction or error. And the thing I recently learned is that there's actually 65,000 cross-references found within this book. Now, how many of you have ever heard of or played the telephone game where, you know, or just, you know, basic life communication where what you say to a person is, gets misconstrued even at the first uh, phone call in the telephone game? How is that even possible? Three different continents, three different languages, 1,500 years, pre-technology and internet, that there are 65,000 cross-references in this book. Take a look at this uh, illustration. I found this so fascinating. Somebody put this together. The bottom line where it's the different grays are the different books of the Bible. And what they did is they used a computer software to map these 65,000 cross-references where one book or one verse in the Bible references something in a different one, and it's all interconnected and intertwined. And I just love that because the second that I saw that, it looked like what? a rainbow. 
The promises of God are yes and amen, and we can find them in his word that we all have access to. We are in the season here at Wonder called Creeds, and we're asking ourselves in our day and age as churches, individuals, and families, what are those foundational beliefs and convictions that we're holding on to? At the end of the day, whatever those are, they have to be founded and secure in God's word. And I'm convinced that why this is the way back to Eden is because that's what we were designed for and that's what we are longing for. Today, our scripture is the first book of Psalms. And I learned this week that the first book of Psalms is called the preamble to the entire book. Does anybody remember another famous preamble? Kids? Anybody? SATs? No? (laughs) The preamble to the Constitution. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, this book, this first chapter of Psalms is defining the entire book of Psalms. So let's take a look again. Verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That word blessed means happy. So when you meet Christians, that's what you pick up from them, right? That they're blessed, everybody likes hashtag blessed, but do Christians normally strike you as happy? (laughs) Sometimes, not trying to say all of them. You know, the dictionary definition for happy is a feeling of happiness, is a feeling of being happy. Hmm. Tim Keller, in his famous sermon, The Search for Happiness, says this. Here's the irony. The less you are concerned about your happiness and the more you're concerned about him, God, the happier you get. This is not a trick. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Our first chapter in Psalms says to be blessed, which means happy. But there's a little bit more to this word. In fact, there's a lot more to this word than our worldly definition can define. In Hebrew, the biblical word for blessed was plural. Not a one-time feeling of happiness, but a constant, perpetual, and ongoing. Have you ever had that moment where you're just purely happy. Maybe it's the the sound of your baby's cry for the first time when you finally give him birth. Maybe, thank you, Piper. (laughs) Wow, thank you. You wanna come up here? I'll give you my notes. You can take it from here. I'm telling you guys, these things are not coincidence. We just specialize in weird. No, it's, it's, totally, it's totally fine. I don't know if I need to give any more examples, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Where you just wish you could bottle that thing, right? And drink from it and experience it over and over again. This is actually how we were meant to live. That's why it feels so right. See, that word bless also means flourishing. 
I don't know, when I say that word, when I hear that word flourishing, something in my soul comes alive because this is what we were designed for. We weren't designed just to survive, just to make it through a day, but to live a thriving life. And you know, people who are thriving, the people around them, what happens? They naturally thrive. They naturally grow. They naturally move forward. And we could see, if you think back to the Garden of Eden, that was a place of complete flourishing. Humanity, mankind was living the exact life that God designed. And so we see in our first two verses here, if you could put them back up, that we have two choices are presented to us. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or his delight is in the law of the Lord. The counsel of the wicked, the way of sinners, the seat of scoffers. You see, We all think, well, I could just do that one little sin. It's okay. But sin doesn't leave us um, in one spot. It always takes us further than we originally thought that we were going to go. See, first we can find ourselves listening, sitting in counsel, listening to the words of the wicked or those that are far from God. But then next we find ourselves going a little further and we start walking in the way of the wicked. And then finally, we find ourselves kind of planting ourselves among the wicked, where it says to sit with scoffers. Or other option, to delight in God's word, meditating on it day and night. The truth is, and you've all seen it, who you spend your time with is who you're going to become. We spend time in God's word, and we become like him. We spend time with the wicked, We will follow them into destruction. Secondly, we see that God's word gives us purpose and stability. Let's look at the next couple of verses in this chapter. It says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like shaft that the wind drives away. We were created for an incredible purpose. These verses are echoes of Eden. It reminds me of the garden in Genesis 2. Take a look at this. Then the Lord formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And there it divided and became four rivers, a tree planted by the water. Did you know that one of the translations for the word Eden is to delight? How interesting that God tells us in the first chapter of Psalms that we can delight and be alive by meditating on his word day and night. This is how we get back to our purpose for how we were designed and how we were meant to be. You know, often we can forget that there was purpose in the Garden of Eden. They weren't just, you know, sitting around just eating the different kinds of uh, fruit off the trees and hanging out. But they were actually made for work and for meaning and for purpose. 
It says this in Genesis 1.28. This is God's command to them. And God blessed, there's that word again. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and every little thing that moves, living thing that moves on the earth. Our purpose as humans is to be fruitful. Our purpose is not to sit on that one talent or that one thing that God gave us and bury it into the ground, but to turn it into something that is for others to enjoy and also for ourselves, to be who he made us to be. You see, our delight comes from meditating on God's word day and night. It's not going to be up on the screen, but I love Eugene Peterson's in his message version of these verses. He talks about happy, blessed, fruitful is the one who chews on God's word day and night. I think about when you're chewing like a piece of beef jerky or chewing on a piece of gum, it's kind of constantly with you. You're thinking about it. It's, It's going where you go. But the other thing we can find is that God's word gives us stability, stability regardless of the elements and outside conditions. Would anybody like to be a little more stable? (laughs) God's word gives us that ability. Look at our verses again. It says, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. See, the man or woman of God has stability and usefulness like a tree, rooted. When the elements come around you, when it gets hot and it's tiresome and the land around the tree is dry, if it's planted by the streams, this is what we can be like, that we will have everything we need regardless of what is going on outside of us. And won't that make people wonder? Won't that make people ask you, tell me about this hope that is in you? When the economy is uncertain, but you turn to God's word day and night, you meditate on this, that no good thing will he withhold from those who love him. Doesn't always mean money, but it could mean peace in despite of the storm. You are like that tree planted by the stream and the wind may blow and your branches may bend and a few may break, but you will have all that you need to not only survive, but to thrive and to flourish doesn't matter the circumstances around you. We sang about it today. It comes from Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came, the wind blew. I was safe in you. But not the wicked. It says in our scripture, that the wicked are not so, but like the shaft that the wind drives away. What in the world is shaft? I had to practice saying that like 15 times and then look at it again this morning. Shaft was a part of the wheat plant. And in ancient days when they were making, um, when they were trying to make bread and flour, they would take the wheat plant and there was a place called the threshing floor where it would be smashed against the ground. And the heavy thing, the weighty thing, the thing of use, the wheat kernel, would fall to the ground. But the shaft was this light kind of just piece of it. And as soon as the wind came, it would just blow away and be discarded. In fact, that word in Hebrew is also translated as worthless. 
Now, of course, God doesn't call anybody worthless. But when we are not walking in his way and his word and not following him, our usefulness, our purposeness, our intent for what he has for us, it's gone. Blown around. I'm sure many of you have seen people in your lives that have had great potential. And they start to walk in the way of the wicked, like we talked about earlier. They start listening to them. They start walking with them. And then they start sitting with them. And you just watch them throw away all of their purpose and all of what God had for them. And it's heartbreaking and it feels so wrong because you know that they were created for more. See, in Eden, they were protected and had all that they needed. And if we find our way back to Eden, we can have purpose, be protected, and find all that we need in season and out of season, regardless of our circumstances. And then lastly, we see that God's word is the way when we're wondering which way to go. Look at the last verses in this first chapter in Psalms. Therefore, the wicked will not, will not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The Lord knows. Do you want to be known? It's kind of a basic, intrinsic human need. Even if you just have one or two people that truly know you for you, you know what that feels like when you go out into the world and you have a bad day or, and it's like, that telephone game again, things are just not translating as you're talking to people. But you get around that one person that knows you, and it's like that anchor, that checkpoint to say, yes, this is who I am. I don't need to believe the lies around me. Do you know that God wants to know you? How does he know them? Well, he recognizes them. In Eden, they knew God and they were known by him. This idea of know is to see, to be seen. This is what Eden was for. You remember? They were naked. And I I believe that that was obviously in the physical sense, but I think it was in all senses because we we have so many guards and so many things that that we put up to hide our true selves, but they were completely exposed and yet secure and unashamed. And here's the crazy thing about God's word, and I think sometimes why we don't want to open it. While we read God's word, his word also reads us. Look at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So he knows and he sees. And as we read his words, he reads us, but not in a condemning way, in a way to make you free, to make you more, to make you be who he made you to be for his purposes. See, in Eden, they had direction and security for their future because they knew God and were known by him. I want to close with this incredible story I read. I've said to you a few times before that we're so lucky, we're so blessed, we're so happy, we're so flourishing because we have God's word in our access, but how often do we take it for granted? 
And I've told you often that there's people in the world that are lucky to get one page of this book. So I found one of those stories. It's a true story. A young lady, Margaret, an accomplished violinist, was from Bulgaria and at the time was living in one of the most brutal communist regimes. And they came in and they confiscated every single Bible, church to church, house to house. There was one older lady in her church that heard that they were coming to her house next. And so she put her Bible under her skirt and sat on it while they searched her house for hours. And she successfully kept her Bible. She tore out every single page and gave one page to every member in the church. Margaret received Genesis 16 and 17. And it was cute when I read her account. She said, I love all of God's word, but I'm grateful I didn't receive something from Leviticus. (laughs) Or, you know, when you're trying to do the Bible in a year and you get the this person begat this person and this person, I can't even read, you know, and I'm like, okay, I want to actually be like a person of integrity and say, I read every word of God's word when I'm trying to read this. So I can't, you wanted to skip the names, right? So you're reading all of that. So she was grateful. She got Genesis 16 and 17. And it's where God made a promise to Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son in their old age and that they would be blessed and fruitful and that they would be a father and mother to a nation that later would be God's people that Jesus would come come from. For years, this was the only piece of God's word she had access to. Eventually, thankfully, she was exiled to the United States. She brought with her her two most precious possessions, her violin and the single page of God's word. After being in the United States for a few days, she found a local church that spoke her language to be a part of. And there was an older couple who was there. It was close to Christmas, and they pulled her aside, having known some of what she had been through, and they told her they wanted to get her whatever gift she wanted. And here's in her own words. She says, I was so excited when they said, we would like to give you a Christmas present. What would you like? Probably they thought I would say, let's go shopping till we drop. I didn't. Do you know why? Because I was 12 when I got my page of the Bible, And for 25 years, I prayed, Lord, I so want to have your word. And when they asked me, I said, if possible, I would like to have a Bible. They said, oh, honey, this is America. Bibles are available. You can have it. So the next morning they came and they brought me to the Bible bookstore. Can you picture me? The woman with one page for her entire life getting into that Bible bookstore and seeing the shelves, black, blue, green, brown, red Bibles. I stood there in the middle of that bookstore and wept and cried. I could not believe that after so many years prayers of prayers, God would answer. I got a Bible, hugged it to my chest, and I wept and I wept. And we have that same hunger for God's word. Thanks to all who give to Wonder Church. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible. Thanks for listening. Let this talk do only what Jesus can. And live your life in such a way that'll make the world wonder there must be more.